When you do the analysis, this narrative of returning to stores is pretty weak because e-commerce penetration rates are quite strong, whether you look in the overall market or whether you look at some of the, like, the big omni-channel retailers as an example, like Walmart or Target. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Russ Derringer from Stratably. Russ, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Joe, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with you, maybe give us a quick background and kind of what you cover in the e-commerce space. Sure. So I write a bi-weekly newsletter, and essentially... That newsletter is focused on all topics that are relevant and per pertinent to VPs of e-commerce inside of large and mid-sized consumer brands primarily. And so I'll cover topics like doing business with Amazon, All and we're going to talk about some of that today, all that goes into, into that, but also talking about retail media, talking about where growth is coming from talking about new models, areas of opportunity, et cetera. Essentially, like whatever that VP of e-commerce cares about inside that consumer brand, that's what I try to cover. And I try to do it in a relatively bite-sized way, although the posts keep getting a little bit longer and longer as I go on here. <laughs> but I try to do it in a bite-sized way that's digestible every week. And then in addition to that, I'll, I'll do consulting and things of, of that nature, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so the reason I wanted to have Russ on the podcast is I, I love your perspective that you have throughout the whole e-com industry and different things that people can be doing, not just on Amazon, but on other channels too. And so, you know, you, you do a good job of taking like a bigger brand's perspective, looking at these different channels and trying to figure out, all right, what's key things that I need to focus on? Where should I be investing my time? Where should I be investing? Like, which channel should I be investing in? And so love your content that you're putting out. And so like one post that, that I really enjoyed too is when you broke down the Amazon channel and kind of talk through, all right, here's some key things that everybody's doing. And now here's some things that people aren't doing and are they high impact or low impact. So maybe let's start there and just kind of walk us through like what you're seeing, what's the general average Amazon seller doing? And then what do you see other people doing that are really setting themselves apart on the channel? Yeah, so I try to think of it as, and look, since the pandemic, the world of e-commerce has gotten a lot more complicated for a seller or a big brand doing doing 1P or wholesale relationships because it's not just Amazon's that, that is relevant anymore. It's all of these different retailers are potentially relevant if you're a seller and certainly relevant if you're a big consumer brand and, and already doing business with them. And so I, it, it's a much more complex world. And I like to try to think of it as where are the areas of opportunity in that complex world. And what I mean by that is what, what really matters on these different sites? And is that, is everyone doing that? Which means that it's difficult to create a competitive edge or are few sellers or brands doing these different tactics and strategies and therefore creates this, this area of opportunity. So as an example, if you take Amazon, at this point, nearly every significant seller or brand is going to have a, a, a pretty mature advertising strategy. So sponsored products, sponsored brands, display, even programmatic, et cetera, all of this stuff is, is very important. 
um, and everyone's doing it. So it's very, very difficult to get that slight edge, but that slight edge can be very impactful. And so, so agencies and brands and sellers are just, you know, putting a ton of energy to try to, you know, get out, you know, whatever edge that they, they can with that. You know, participation on Prime Day would be something that, you know, a lot of brands, a lot of sellers are doing, can do. The impact of that isn't as big as or as important as, as advertising, but it's just another example of like a, something you can participate in that's got high adoption and, you know, a positive impact. On the other side are things that are not real highly adopted that have what I would consider sort of a low impact today. These are possibly emerging areas or maybe just things that, you know, aren't necessarily working out, but like an emerging thing like Amazon Live is an example of something that's, you know, relatively under-adopted, you know, the average brand or seller isn't doing that, but it doesn't have a major impact. So, you know, on the scale of importance, it's, it doesn't necessarily rise to the top. It's sort of a test and learn thing. Then the real opportunity, I think, is where you have high impact stuff that is not highly adopted. So low adoption, high impact. And one of the topics that I've been talking a lot about in the newsletter and, and, and just in my work is around AMC and even more broadly, just the analytics offering or suite that Amazon has been coming out with in the last year. So. AMC and, and by AMC, Amazon Marketing Cloud. Just exactly <laughs> keep, yep. keeping the abbreviations out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Amazon Marketing Cloud attribution stream store analytics. Yep. This this is a really powerful suite of analytical tools that, particularly with Amazon Marketing Cloud, it's difficult to access. You need SQL capabilities. You need to really have the kind of engineering chops to get access to it, data engineering chops to get access to it. So it's it's very challenging to do, but for the brands and sellers that are doing that, they're really getting fantastic insights around user journey analysis. It's helping inform their advertising strategy, et cetera. Very, very powerful capability that not many brands or sellers are using today. And that those types of opportunities are quite rare on Amazon. And it reminds me of when I kind of got started in the industry back in 2015 with like sponsored products at that time was very under adopted. And, you know, it was like a weird thing a little bit. It was sort of hard to use. Well, you know, now that that world is a Amazon marketing cloud. So, you know, that's an example of a big opportunity that I see right now in, in the Amazon ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I totally agree. And this is one of the ways that we initially connected was through our conversations on Amazon Marketing Cloud and just kind of talking about where this is going. And yeah, I, I agree with all aspects. I mean, like what we've seen is that when a new feature gets rolled out, there's going to be a certain period of time where it's definitely going to be underutilized. And if you can get an advantage by implementing that feature earlier than the majority of sellers, that's where you're going to get that that key advantage over different sellers. And so, you know, whether it was sponsored products back when I was starting in like, you know, 2014, 2015 timeframe, or then sponsor brands rolls out and that's under adopted for a while. Sponsor display comes out with product targeting and now we can utilize that. Let's see, sponsor brand video was another one when it first came out, bids were really low. Sponsor product placement adjustments are still underutilized. And now you have Amazon marketing stream, which we're super excited 
excited about with the hourly bidding. Now you have Amazon Marketing Cloud, which we're really excited about because you can get such deep insights on like upper funnel strategies and tying together the different channels. Even DSP is still very underutilized overall. So I, I totally agree that there, there's different items. In, and like you're saying, I love how you do the low adoption low impact or low adoption high impact too because there are so many things you can do as a seller just on the amazon platform not even taking into account other channels that it can definitely be overwhelming to try to figure out where you start absolutely and i think that's what makes like that's that that's that's sort of the unique nature of amazon is that they give you so many different tools and programs and options and opportunities and, and that, that's both a blessing and a curse because it, it allows you to try a lot of different things, but it also can stretch you really thin if you don't, if you don't have a process to sort of, or a framework to sort of think through like, okay, you know, what do we, what, what do we know really matters? And then what are some of this test and learn stuff that like we want to participate in to see if it's the next big thing, but we also don't want to bet the farm because there's, you know, there's a graveyard of different different programs and tools and tactics that Amazon has launched and then shut down because they weren't effective. And so, but, but I think it's really uh, a, a unique opportunity in the retail landscape that Amazon offers through that perspective. If you think about other, you know, big rivals of, of Amazon, they don't necessarily come out as, uh, as rapidly with, with with different options and programs and tools and tactics as Amazon does. So it's just a different different kind of beast in terms of selling on it and, and managing it. Yeah, yeah. For like the bigger brands that you're working with, what do you think is the major holdup to adoption of some of these new features? Is it just the education about what these are and the business opportunities that are there? Is it just general resources? Is it the technical ability to implement these? Probably all of the above. I mean, what, what's your perspective on kind of like the biggest holdup for implementation for some of these where you definitely can get an edge? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's just challenging inside of a big organization to move really quickly. So every big consumer brand today is trying to increase the speed at which they can react to these feedback loops because feedback loops are getting faster and faster. And so that sort of grinds against the, 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 the historical nature of these big consumer brands. But they're trying they're trying to get faster. Now, when we talk about you know, when we talk about something like sponsor brand video ads coming out, I feel like they're generally pretty quick to adopt that <clears throat> because they're oftentimes working with an agency or or they're just like very keyed in on an sure. advertising perspective. But when I think about something like AMC, I think there's a few factors that have held them up from adopting it more quickly. One is, you know, Amazon releases these types of tools relatively early in their infancy and then learns and iterates and develops them further. So they don't necessarily go out with a huge sort of marketing splash around it. So I think one element is awareness that that AMC or some of these analytical tools exist. I think with, with Amazon Marketing Cloud in particular, the technical ability is lacking oftentimes inside the consumer brand, but also even amongst within the agency world. So some agencies have the ability to really dive into AMC in like a custom query type of way. Other agencies are going to rely on sort of like the pre-baked queries or dashboards that are being uh, developed. And then, and then, 
you know, there might be a third sort of set of agencies that, that really are just aren't paying attention to Amazon marketing cloud just because they don't quite understand the impact that it can have. So I think there's sort of a, a, a several reasons why consumer brands might be slow to to adopt to 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 some of these tools. The other thing is budgeting too. You know, budgeting inside of big consumer brands is often done annually. And so sure. if something comes up, you know, that's new midway through the year, unless an organization has a test and learn kind of fluid budget or a process to, you know, enable some fluidity, they just have to wait. And it's just a function of managing a big organization from a financial perspective. Sure. Yeah. And even being involved with this day to day, I mean, we just get to focus on the advertising side. And when AMC or Amazon Marketing Cloud got rolled out, you know, I was reading through all the different things that Amazon was putting out about it. And it's like, I have no idea what this product is <laughs> or yeah. how we can even use it. You know, the, the marketing gets so distilled down on the Amazon side. And so until we were able to like sit down with some of the people actually working on the product and ask some technical questions about it and then get into Amazon Marketing Cloud itself and start actually running reports, then all of a sudden it started clicking and it's like, oh, okay, this is what this thing is. And this is really cool. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, just looking from the outside, especially if we're not like so deep into this, it is so hard to understand. Like, yep, okay, it's this multi-channel Amazon analytics reporting tool, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, what, what do I do with it? And so th that's why, like, I love like reports that you're putting out. We're trying to do the same thing too. Just try to simplify it down a bit. And all right, here's key use cases. Here's why you should care about these new products, so people can prioritize appropriately. I'll make the analogy to retail media as well. One of the just simple problems with retail media is the name, which includes retail in it. And so because sure. it's retail media, a lot of consumer brands bucket all of it as, you know, they put it all against the given retailer's account, all kind of as trade spend. But if you're doing like programmatic or, or connected TV ads or whatever, this is obviously reaching beyond you know, that particular retailer, but there's this kind of naming convention around it that sort of like creates this hurdle inside of, of brands that shouldn't otherwise be there. Amazon marketing cloud kind of suffers the same issue because it's, it has Amazon in the name. So therefore it's just relevant to Amazon. But I think about Amazon marketing cloud is this, sure. it's just a, it's, it, it's, it's a disruptive approach to understanding the shopper's journey and yes, a lot of it's focused on Amazon, but there are off Amazon insights available today. And this is only going to get more and more advanced and helpful over time. And so, you know, the Amazon account manager inside a big brand, they're going to be the ones that like look at this and maybe they understand it or not, given this sort of like poor positioning of it or poor marketing of it, you know, language that, that Amazon has used for it. But really, this is important to shopper insights. It's important to category management. It's important to the CMO, the CDO. It, it's sure. just much more important than just an Amazon tool. Yep. Yep. And we, we see the same thing, too, with Amazon DSP. Like if you talk to people who are not Amazon sellers, they immediately say, well, that's not for me because I'm not an Amazon seller. And you say, wait, it's, it, it's got Amazon's first party data, but you don't have to be an Amazon seller. But because it has Amazon in the name, 
people automatically write it off that they can't use it for upper funnel strategies and some really awesome first party insights. But because it has Amazon in the name, just like you said, people just write it off from the start. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a it should like kind of a simple <laughs> concept, but, but like that's I, I think a big part of what what prevents what prevents a deeper understanding of some of this stuff. I agree. I agree. So one other thing I love too is that so you do deep dives into different channels, but then you also take a bigger picture approach, looking at like different channels, like comparing Amazon to Walmart and Target and multiple different e-commerce platforms. So I don't know. Give me your general high-level perspective. Like, where do you see things going? Does Amazon continue to dominate the space? Are there other ones that are really emerging that you would start to really focus your time into too? Like, in general, what, what what's like a high-level viewpoint that you're seeing for these different channels and where brands should be positioning themselves? Yeah, a couple things. So I think in the beginning of the year, what we saw in all of technology and in investment markets was sort of the, these, what I, what I described as the e-commerce winter. And the e-commerce winter was, was essentially this reaction to decelerating e-commerce growth rates and penetration and many inside of big consumer brands, again, who I'm primarily working with, this feeling inside of those companies that maybe e-commerce isn't as important as what we thought it was going to be in the pandemic. And boy, we're putting a lot of emphasis on this. But, you know, geez, look at these growth rates, you know, negative in some cases sure. for some of the omnichannel retailers over the last couple of quarters. And boy, we're, you know, there's this narrative that shoppers are returning to stores and and it just isn't playing out like a lot in the digital commerce industry expected. So we were in this sort of e-commerce winter for for a period of time and you know we might still be in it to some degree. But a lot of that was driven by the simple fact of tough comps. You know, when you're, you sure. know, growing at, at 100 plus percent year over year, it's very difficult <laughs> to comp those figures, particularly as the pandemic eased and people could, you know, safely go back outside to, to some degree. And so, but, but that stretch lasted, you know, four or five or six quarters, in some cases, a really low growth. But when you do the analysis, and I recently just published something on this, when you do the analysis, this narrative of returning to stores is pretty weak because e-commerce penetration rates are quite strong whether you look in the overall market or whether you look at some of the, like, the big omnichannel retailers as an example, like Walmart or Target, their e-commerce penetration rates, you know, in the most recent quarter, as an example, grew, I think, 50 basis points for Walmart, grew 90 basis points for Target, and their growth rates started to accelerate again, again, largely because of a comp thing. So if that's what sure. a return to stores sort of looks like, boy, digital commerce is Pretty good, even in, in, in that type of, 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 of world. So I yep. think, you know, big picture digital commerce continues to grow. In my forecast, over the next five years, digital, from a dollar's perspective, should contribute about half of the expected growth in the market. Stores will contribute the other half. So both are, you know, very important. Within the digital space, Amazon, you know, they own 40 to 50% of the e-commerce market in the US and they're really not giving up much share. They're really just sure. becoming so, you know, almost more powerful 
over time. Part of that's driven by how effective their advertising programs are. Part of, you know, part of that next leg of growth is going to come from the analytical offerings that is going to attract, you know, more sellers, more advertisers to them. But that being said, you know, Walmart's growing quite, quite nicely from a digital perspective, Target, Kroger, et cetera, really all the other omnichannel retailers are growing nicely. And I think that's to where we started, what makes this a pretty complicated environment, because for a lot of consumer brands, they haven't necessarily added the manpower, you know, the, the, the human capital resources to sort of support that. And you see that most explicitly in retail media. You have probably 30 new retail media platforms that exist today that didn't essentially exist a couple of years ago. But oftentimes these consumer brands, you know, maybe they have one person sort of focused on trying to make retail media work or they got a couple people. But this is a significant change. And so we 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 have not really caught up from a industry perspective around really equipping and resourcing these teams to get the most out of digital. So that's kind of the story has been that way for a long time, but the pandemic, you know, it helped it a little bit in terms of investment, but it's it's still not quite there just because this market is so dynamic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love looking at year over year and seeing what you're comparing against. Uh, we, we apparently have very short term memories. And so when we look at year over year growth and we see that it's down, we'll reverse a year back and life looked a lot different than in terms of how you were utilizing e-commerce. And so, yeah, you have this huge acceleration and then maybe it stops and returns a bit back to normal as stores open up again. But it doesn't mean that the e-commerce space is going down. It just means that, all right, you know, the last couple of years were pretty crazy and now it's returning a bit back to more normal. But at the same time, people have developed those new habits that are keep pushing e-commerce forward and keeping that growth, maybe not maintaining that full growth as the stores open, but now it's returning back to where it should be. I, I think it's as simple as convenience and assortment that online has the advantage with is really powerful and and that's going to continue to earn more shoppers over time earn more of their wallet over time and the other way that i like to think about the importance of digital commerce as we look forward is what are the retailers focusing on you know what are their growth initiatives and if you if you study walmart as an example almost every initiative significant initiative they have is digitally focused and target sure. probably half of their you know big initiatives are digitally focused and the other half are store focused but like have a, a a digital angle to them because the vast majority of their online sales are fulfilled out of stores so if you need any other reason to get excited about e-commerce and invest behind it forget digital penetration rates or year-over-year growth rates and just look at what your customers really focused on and they see digital as this you know critical you know must win type of of channel sure yeah and what's nice with those other channels too if you're a seller or retailer is if you can master amazon with 
all the different features you've got. Now going to some of these other channels, it's going to be a lot easier because they're lagging in terms of, especially like analytics that they're giving different sellers on the platform. So if you can get Amazon nailed as you go and now going to those other channels, you're not going to have as many features. So it's going to be a little harder to differentiate yourself from the start, but they're in their earlier stages too, which makes it easier from that perspective. And, you know, sometimes with many options, it makes things a lot harder. So, you know, with these other channels, it, would you agree they're a lot more simple? just because they're trying to catch up with all the different things that Amazon has implemented over time. I, I agree. I think they're, they are, it's simple, simpler in the sense of there's fewer options, like you just, you just said, but I, but on yeah, the other simple, hand, probably it's, not the best term. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But on the other hand, some of the tools can be pretty clunky and, and, and so it can leave some sure. sellers or brands accustomed to doing business with Amazon sort of like scratching their head, like, like, wow, this is like really hard to do some of the stuff that we're yeah. doing on Amazon, but it's all relative, <laughs> right? Yep. Like, you, you know, like if I, if on another retailer's platform, it's clunky or it's difficult or you don't have as many tools, well, neither do your competitors either. So it's sort of a level sure. playing field and, in in that regard but but i think if you're trying to grow the digital channel and even just sales generally right like amazon is the scale opportunity on amazon is enormous and growing year-over-year growth rate or or dollar dollar wise right and so you want to get really good at amazon and then start to apply your best practices and knowledge to these other retail accounts. And this is where, like, if you're a pure kind of marketplace seller on Amazon, you have a little bit of an advantage in some respect, to some degree, you don't want to oversell this, but compared to a brand that has a wholesale business with an omni-channel retailer and they're doing stuff inside of stores as well, like as, like as an example, Walmart, because those big consumer brands, they have all of these different teams that they need to short sort of like spread that education, spread that knowledge, spread these strategies throughout a much bigger organization where if you're sort of a pure marketplace seller, you can get set up on Walmart marketplace and like start, you know, trying to grow that business. But there's puts and takes to that too. So I don't want to, again, I don't want to oversell it, but I guess the, I guess the lesson is, you know, focus on Amazon, get really good at, at Amazon and then sort of spread out from there, depending on your, your categories. Yep. Yep. I love it. So for people who want to connect with you or get more of your content, like where, where should they go? Two places. So stratably.com, you can sign up for my newsletter for free. I also have a premium version, so check that out too, but stratably.com, or I also post a lot of, a lot of content on LinkedIn, just on my personal page. So Russ Derringer, um, LinkedIn.com slash Russ Derringer, I guess, is, is, the, is, is the URL. But yeah, LinkedIn or Stradley.com. Those are the two best places to find me. Yeah, that's awesome. And totally recommend it. Content has been awesome. I get a ton of awesome insights out of it and just kind of helps to take me from the details to the very high pit or like the, the high level viewpoint of where the e-commerce industry is going. So highly recommend it to everybody. So Russ, thanks again for joining the podcast. It was awesome having you on. Much appreciated, Joe. Thanks for having me and really enjoyed the talk. Thanks so much. Yep. And for everybody who's listening, as always, thanks for listening to the Ad Project Podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode.